Good morning, everyone. Uh, I have an apology to make to begin with, uh, and that is that as I get older, it becomes more and more difficult for me to remember people's names. And so I wish to thank, in conjunction with that apology, I wish to thank uh, all of you who reintroduce yourselves. And uh, my apology has to do with, A, forgetting your name uh, from the last time that uh, my wife and I were here uh, to the assembly, and um, uh, B, your having to remind uh, me of, uh, of your name. But uh, I appreciate your patience in that regard. It is a joy to be with you this morning. Uh, I'm sure that we all have had the experience of gradually, even suddenly, becoming aware of something we never noticed before. Now, uh, maybe not for some of you, but uh, for many of us, uh, a good example might be a wedding. Uh, most of us probably can recall hearing someone at a wedding party, perhaps during the reception, maybe the bride or the groom, announce to the wedding guests something like what follows. We'd like to thank folks who worked so hard to make this occasion possible. And then follows a list of individuals who have helped in various ways, such as parents and families of the bride and groom, the bridesmaids, the groomsmen, the photographer, the florist, the musicians, the caterers, the servers, the event planner, etc., etc. In fact, at most weddings, if all goes well, most of the guests who attend are quite unaware of how much has been done to prepare the place and the people for the occasion or uh, unaware of specifically who has been involved in getting everything ready, though many of the guests may have some idea of at least part of those plans. In some ways, the work of the Holy Spirit in the world today is a little bit like that. Not so much just a wedding, but the behind-the-scenes work that goes into preparing for the wedding. He, you'll notice I did not say it, but he, the Holy Spirit, is at work in the world, mostly without being noticed, and I just have to make a little aside there and say, uh, often uh, the people who speak the most about the Holy Spirit, it would seem to me uh, often uh, have the least idea of what the Holy Spirit is actually doing. Uh, but that is my own uh, opinion on the matter. But mostly the Holy Spirit, without being noticed, is bringing to completion God's purposes in causing the growth of uh, the church, the body of Christ, as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and in raising up what Ephesians chapter 2, Paul calls a holy temple, a building 
even a home for God. The building, of course, consists not of bricks and mortar or wood, but of people, as we're told in uh, Ephesians 2. The Holy Spirit is doing this growing and building by lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the world. We've just heard this morning about uh, brothers and sisters in Nepal. There are brothers and sisters in Christ in every language group, in every country uh, in the world. And we have the Holy Spirit to thank for that work, that accomplishment, even if we only see the efforts of the missionaries and the gospel uh, being preached and so on. Um, it is the Holy Spirit's work in doing that. But he is at work lifting up the Lord Jesus, preaching of the gospel, bringing people to trust in Christ for salvation, and once they are saved, causing them to continue to become more and more like Christ. Just think of a, a number of things that the Holy Spirit has done or is doing, we might say, behind the scenes. He inspired the apostles to write the scriptures for a permanent record of what God has said. He also convicts sinners of sin and draws them to Christ. So often that happens without anybody else knowing about it. It's happening within the heart and mind of that person. He sets believers apart for God's service. He sanctifies them. He prompts believers to listen to the word and to obey it. He even, it may not seem like it because we're not aware of the changes as they're occurring, but he even transforms individual saints to become more like Christ. He guarantees, the Holy Spirit guarantees that a believer is going to be kept safe always for the day when he or she will be glorified together with Christ. And as I hope we're going to see today, he joins with believers. He joins together with believers to look forward to Christ returning. In fact, Scripture speaks very clearly of the relationship between Christ and the church as a marriage relationship. It doesn't speak of that very frequently, but it speaks very clearly in the passages where we find that. As important as this relationship is, there is only one place, though, where Scripture explicitly speaks of the Holy Spirit's work alongside of the church 
as the bride of Christ. We're going to look uh, briefly at a couple of uh, passages, Ephesians 5 and uh, Revelation 19, and then we will go to Revelation 22. I did a series of messages on uh, this topic. It was actually part of a larger series on uh, the Holy Spirit work, uh, the Holy Spirit's work in the assembly uh, at Avenue 54 last year, and we're just uh, focusing in on one part of that. I'm just going to uh, mention what we have in Ephesians 5. I'm not going to read through it because we don't have time, but um, I would point out to, to us that in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, Paul speaks of the church as the bride of Christ. The church of the bride of Christ, as the bride of Christ is a great mystery. Christ is the head of the church, of the body, which is also the bride. Christ is the savior of the church, and he gave himself uh, for her. Uh, Christ is uh, the one who cleanses and sanctifies uh, the church. And Christ has a distinct set of purposes for the church. All of that in uh, chapter 5 of Ephesians. Christ is the provider and the one who is affectionate towards the church. And of course, Christ himself is the culmination of God's plan for the church, that we, as the part of the church, will be with him uh, forever. And uh, Ephesians 5 speaks of this being a great mystery. It wasn't revealed in past times, but that's what a New Testament mystery is. It is now revealed clearly in the teaching, in the apostolic teaching that we have in the New Testament scriptures. And uh, we might take some time to think about uh, the, the, uh, the passage in Ephesians uh, to know God's purpose for us as part of the bride of uh, Christ. How we are to be subject to Christ in all things, both individually, but also collectively as uh, as an assembly, as part of the larger uh, assembly that is the uh, body. And we are to be holy, set apart for uh, God uh, and uh, Christ in uh, their purposes for us uh, in a pure um, way that honors the Lord in all things. But if in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, the, uh, the church is seen as, the church as the bride of Christ is seen as a great mystery, in Revelation 19, uh, we'll just uh, read quickly the verses there because they're not maybe quite as familiar, the church uh, as the bride of Christ has a glorious destiny. The relationship of Christ 
to the, to the church, to the bride, is a great mystery. The, bride's, uh, the, the church as the bride of Christ has a glorious destiny. Revelation uh, 19 and verse 6 reads as follows, And I heard, as it were, the multitude of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness, technically that should be righteousnesses, plural form, of saints. And he said to me, Write, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. The church as the bride of Christ has a glorious destiny. Uh, we see here uh, that uh, it is a joyous occasion that she is being prepared for. Uh, glory to God is to take place at the marriage uh, supper of the Lamb. There is going to be clothing, the, the righteous deeds of the saints. There is going to be that clothing for all of the participants uh, there, appropriate for the occasion that's on, that honors Christ. No more uh, sin or uh, secret or open, uh, but um, the complete, completed sanctifying process uh, made into his dim image, into Christ's image as we ought to be. And then there are there's a blessing for those who are invited there, and that seems to be on top of the, the blessing of just being uh, righteous the way we ought to be. And this is not some nice, wishful thinking for the future. You notice what, uh, what John writes in, is told to write in, in verse 9. These are the true sayings of God. This is a fact that is going to come to fruition in the future. And we might ask ourselves, are we looking forward to this? Is it our desire to be more in line with what we should be for that occasion, looking forward to uh, seeing our Lord Jesus Christ in person, looking forward to, uh, as part of this uh, company that is uh, the bride of Christ, uh, looking forward to uh, being the way that he wants us to be. Are we working for that day in how we are becoming more like Christ now? In Are we letting the, uh, the Lord have his way in our lives to make us more like himself? But I'd like to spend the rest of our time this, this morning on the, the third of the three passages that uh, speak, this one in Revelation 22, 
beginning with verse 16, uh, speaks of the church as the, that the church of, as the bride of Christ has not only is that a great mystery, not only has she a uh, a glorious uh, destiny, but she also has a present responsibility. Beginning with verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add the, unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the prophecy, book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things and the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Um, at the close of the last book of the New Testament, the closing of what uh, we sometimes refer to as the canon of Scripture, that is with C-A-N-O-N, not C-A-N-N-O-N, which is a much more explosive kind of uh, uh, ordinance. Um, but the canon of Scripture is the standard of Scripture. The, these are the books that are contained, the 27 New Testament books, the uh, 39 Old Testament books. Uh, at the close of the canon of Scripture, you have this extremely fervent message from John? No, from Jesus. The importance of this message is seen in Jesus' personal involvement here. Think of what he says, I, Jesus. There is nowhere else in Scripture where Jesus speaks exactly like this. If the message is so important to him that he must personally become involved to relay that message as he does here, Are we listening carefully? Do we understand exactly what he's saying? If we don't understand exactly what he's saying, 
What are we doing about finding out what he means? Well, Lord willing, I'm going to try and give us a little bit of help in that direction this morning. And then finally, what is our response to what he has said? Uh, often, I think, the, the uh, attitude to the book of Revelation, and maybe with some justification, I suppose, but often the, the, uh, the attitude is, well, there's so many things in the book of Revelation that I don't understand that I'll just worry about that later, maybe when it happens. Um, or let, let others take care of understanding this book uh, this, it's too difficult for me. But often, the folks that will think like that take that attitude also further afield with regard to the whole Bible. And they will say, I don't understand much about the Bible, so I won't bother with it too much. You know, I, I get a little help from it now and then. You know, Psalm 23 is very nice, and... Uh, I like the Lord's Prayer and, and a few other favorite passages, perhaps. Um, or is our response as it should be? Lord, help me to understand more. Or Lord, what do you want me to do? Or most importantly, Lord, what must I do to be saved? How are we doing in the listening department with regard to this particular message of the Lord Jesus? He thought it important enough for speaking directly through John, but speaking in a very clear way. After all these visions and all these, these uh, events that have been uh, where he has been, the Lord Jesus has been spoken of in this book. He now comes to the fore. It's almost as if there's been a drama and there's been a, a, a series of actions on stage and suddenly at the end, the curtain has come down. Everything is over with. And now, the prime actor has come out to the stage and speaks with the audience. The Lord Jesus speaks here. Are we listening? But in this passage, uh, we see his involvement very clearly in uh, three places. We, say, we have I, Jesus, uh, in verse 16. Uh, we have, and if you have a red letter edition to the Bible, you may be somewhat misled here. I do believe that in verse 18, it is Jesus speaking. For I testify to every man, everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. Uh, and then also in verse 20, where John refers to him, he who testifies these things says, surely I come quickly. So Strong emphasis on Jesus giving us this message. 
directly to the readers. Yes, through John, but uh, speaking as directly as possible. But then we have the bearers of the message, of Jesus' message. Uh, look at verse 16. I have sent my angel, my messenger. Remember that the word angel uh, can be an angelic being. Um, and I think uh, here uh, it, um, it is. But um, I have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. He's actually, um, it's clear that uh, John, who is uh, writing the book of Revelation, is recording what he is receiving from angelic messengers. So you have uh, Jesus sending his angel to testify these things. We have uh, also, uh, we have um, John who is at the moment in the background writing these things down. So uh, the fact that Jesus is personally sending an angel suggests importance of the message. Oh yes, all of the scripture is important, but no part of scripture is actually more important than the book of Revelation. Now, the book of Revelation should not be more important than the rest of scripture, but often the book of Revelation isn't treated as, as important. Um, and so John recording this um, gives us the permanence of the message. Uh, so an angel, John is involved. It's not just a message for John's day, but recorded for our day as well. Uh, but you notice that it's also to testifying these things in the churches. For the churches to hear, to read, to understand this message. The, this is to all Christians. It's a universal message. It's not for just for ones that are persecuted. Um, yes, that's nice. Uh, that's really helpful. Uh, nice is not the good word to, to use, but those who are being persecuted really benefit from this, uh, this uh, uh, book more than any others because of the situation they find themselves in and the encouragement that they take that the Lord Jesus uh, will return and uh, will uh, bring everything to a close in God's purposes in a way that uh, righteousness will prevail. But remember how many times you have messages in chapters 2 and 3 of this, of this book to churches. Uh, this message, this book, is for us as believers today. But then in verse 17, you also have... Um, 
Let him who hears, for the moment we're leaving out the spirit and the bride, but let him who hears say, come. There needs to be understanding. Do we understand what we hear, what we read in this book? This book, the book of Revelation, is not designed to fulfill our curiosity. We may have a great deal of curiosity about future events, but actually the book of Revelation is not designed to fulfill our curiosity, to, to satisfy our curiosity. It's, it's intended for a response, a response of obedience to the risen and ascended Lord who speaks here. But then uh, also in verse 17, and let him who is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. The book of Revelation is designed to meet the greatest need of any human being, and that is the need for forgiveness of sins and the need for eternal life. Revelation is not just a book for believers. It's a book for unbelievers. And if we as believers know what the outcome of the future is, we have a responsibility to share the good news with those who do not know it. The angel sent to testify, John writes, the churches hear, the one who hears needs to understand, the one who thirsts needs to come and receive. What kind of messenger, what kind of a bearer of message, Jesus' message, are we being today? Let's look, uh, think a little bit about the content of the message. Once again, we go through the passage and we see the content of the message very clearly begins with who Jesus is. And there isn't any message more important than this. The message of the believer, both for himself from the scriptures and for others, again, from the scriptures, is always about Jesus. Now, it may have to do with how the Lord, the Je Jesus is Lord in our marriage, or it may have to do with how I am to represent him in the workplace, or how I am to be faithful in my studies, or whatever the, the area of life may be, but the content of the message is about Jesus, who Jesus is. He says, I, Jesus. He uses the name that is his given human name. It's a reminder that the Lord Jesus, though ascended now, he came in such humility that most of us have never experienced in such humility 
and in graciousness in those humble surroundings. And it's a reminder that whatever we may experience or suffer, he understands. He is a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. And he can be so because he, like the children who have flesh and blood, Hebrews chapter 2, he likewise himself took part of the same. So the things that we experience and suffer, of course, sin apart, uh, he knows what it means to be tempted and tried and sorrowful and grieving at sin which uh, uh, surrounds him. And it is as Jesus that he offered himself as a sacrifice for sin, salvation for us all. He is also the root and the offspring of David. Uh, the root means he is the predecessor. It would be like being the ancestor, except he wasn't the ancestor of David. He was the descendant of David. Uh, we, we do know that from Scripture. But uh, I would remind us that um, it's uh, as in his role as the Son of God, he is the creator, the one through whom all things in the creation were made. And so as such, he is the root of David. Uh, it is out of uh, God's uh, sovereign working in this, uh, in this world that he has created in the human race and God's um, uh, choosing, sovereign choosing of, uh, of the line of Abraham uh, all the way down uh, through the kings of beginning with David um, through the history of the human race. Uh, that, that, uh, that comes from the work of, of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ in, as the word in uh, creation. But as the descendant, um, as both root and offspring, he is not only uh, the, the origin, but also the fulfillment of all God's promises concerning Israel and the kingdom, yet future. Um, he's the one who knows the end from the beginning. After all, he's the Alpha and the Omega. Uh, so uh, this is not, shall we say, a, a, a stretch for him. But he has become as a descendant of David, he has uh, humbled himself to bring these things to fulfillment when, of course, what we deserved as a race, as a whole human race, but also as the nation of Israel, when we deserve nothing. And he is bringing to fulfillment all of God's purposes in a way that will be a blessing to millions and millions. But he's also the bright and morning star. 
He is the one, and the bright and morning star uh, suggests the coming. Uh, it's the one that comes just before dawn, and, and the dawn would refer to the beginning of the kingdom when Jesus will reign from Jerusalem. But even before that, the bright and morning star comes for, yes, his bride. The bright and morning star tells us that the full light of day is coming. The darkness of this world is coming to an end uh, very soon. Uh, and uh, he is the one who is going to come personally for his bride. And he is the hope. Remember the bright morning star? It comes just before the morning. It's a reminder that the good, the joyous, the beautiful, the the light is coming soon. And he is the hope of every true believer. He's not just uh, the fulfillment uh, of, of God's promises, but Paul says to, to Timothy in one of his letters, uh, he is our hope. Is my hope to be in heaven with my family who've gone on before, uh, others whom I have loved uh, who are going to be there uh, before me? No, actually it ought to be the Lord Jesus. Now, all these other uh, people would be wonderful uh, to be reunited with them. But our hope is the Lord Jesus himself. Who Jesus is also implies what Jesus has done. And you go back to verse 16 and you see um, that Jesus has sent. He has sent his messenger to John. So John can record this book of Revelation. He himself has sent just as he himself will come. So if he has sent, he's going to come. The connection is clear uh, in this passage. But you notice also that uh, our passage says what the bride, the spirit and the bride are saying. The spirit and the bride come together. This one who is working behind the scenes all over the world to bring people to, to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He, along with the bride, say Come, Lord Jesus. This is the only proper response to what the Lord Jesus has done in coming into this world, uh, being the sacrifice for our sins, dying and uh, rising again and ascending uh, to the Father's right hand. Is Lord Jesus come? That's the only proper response. And the Spirit unites with the bride alongside to, uh, to speak that. And sometimes he speaks that kind of on his own because we're not joining him. Because we get too busy in, in life and we, we think, oh, um, 
I, I, I need to do such and such and such and such before the Lord comes. Um, and the one who hears the message of this, uh, of this book, you, you see uh, in verse 17, what the one who hears must say. Come. So, even if we're not John writing these things down, even if we're not in the churches of his day, we too can join in. The spirit and the bride say, come. We're part of the bride. We say, come, because we're hearing this message. And then there is the one who is thirsty. He needs to do something. He or she needs to do something. If you're here and you're not, your hope is not to see the Lord Jesus, come. You need to, you need to come. Come to him. Come to him to receive the water of life. This world has nothing to offer you but dust and death in the long run. Come to him as a repentant sinner and receive his free offer of eternal life, the water of life it's spoken of here. And then there's a warning for those who hear the message of this book. The warning for me is that the time is almost up. The warning for those who hear the message of the book Three times in this passage, the word testify is used. This is a serious message. Plagues and eternal death are for those who fiddle with, who add to, subtract from the message of this book. We can add by having our own traditions. Uh, that's a, that's a, a favorite in church history and today. Or a favorite interpretation. Or legalism. We've got to do this and this, even though the scriptures don't require that. Um, having other authorities than the word of God. Or misinterpreting the word of God. That would be adding, taking away we hide the scriptures, not the hiding in our hearts, as the psalmist says, but not, not paying attention to the scriptures, removing, neglecting, ignoring, in worst case, destroying, again, misinterpreting, doubting or denying, all of that taking away from. Listening to this message, not adding, not taking away, is the only proper response to God's word. And then there's the, response, the, the promise. The same one, verse 20, he who testifies these things, surely I come quickly. That's the promise. The same one who sent his angel, who revealed the contents of this book to John, who is the source of the messages for the local churches, who commands uh, the hearer of Revelation's message to say, uh, to say uh, I need the water of life, who offers salvation to the lost, who warns all not to tamper with God's word, is the same one who promises to come quickly. Bride's responsibility really comes throughout this passage. Our responsibility as part of the bride, and with this we, we draw to a close. Verse 17, we join with the Holy Spirit 
and ask him to come. How often do we pray that? Some of our brothers and sisters pray that frequently, and it is to their credit. Um, that should become our practice as well. How much do we share the gospel, the message of the gospel with others? Verse 17. Do we listen to, the, to this book's uh, message? But not just, remember the, the add and don't add and don't take away? That's true for the book of Revelation. But by extension, it's true for all of Scripture. Uh, do we preserve the teaching of Revelation and all of Scripture as we ought? And by preserving, studying it, understanding it, helping others to study and understand it as well. And, of course, apply it. Do we follow John's example and look for, hope for, and pray for Jesus himself to come? Do we recognize, as the end of this passage tells us, it is only the grace of God that can enable us to do that? What kind of faithfulness are we demonstrating as part of the bride of Christ. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we give thanks for this portion of thy word. How it convicts us of not being more careful about being the right kind of messenger for the Lord Jesus how it convicts us that we have been lax about our study of thy purposes as revealed in the scriptures throughout and even in this book as well. Our Father, we pray that uh, as we have studied this passage, uh, we will be renewed in our thinking to be the kind of bearer of this message that we ought to be part of the bride of Christ that longs for and asks for and prays for the Lord Jesus to come. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.